Good afternoon. It is good to be together. If you're a guest, again, we welcome you. We're thankful that you're here. We're thankful that we're here. Thursday of last week looked like it was going to be rain yesterday and today. And uh, we're thankful that God has given us this opportunity to be together. We're thankful that our elders uh, have invited us to come out and enjoy this period of worship and then afterwards a fellowship together. And we hope and we pray that it will be a blessing at the end of this day that we've all been together. We'd love for you to worship with us at any time at the Mount Juliet Church of Christ. We're thankful that you're here tonight. We invite you to come back. We're finishing up a third part of a series on parenting tonight. And what we'll do tonight is pretty brief, but the first two parts of that series, if you're a guest tonight, I'm going to leave some CDs on this front corner. And uh, this is uh, the first and the second part of the parenting series. We'd love for you to come by and get one. And, and if there's not enough to go around, uh, you let us know and we'd be glad to mail you a couple of copies of that. We want to do the very best that we can do to raise kids that are a reflection of what God would want them to be. To be able to do that, we as parents have to be what God would want us to be. We want to help take care of your kids tonight. If you still have not gotten a bracelet that uh, we want to be able to identify who are our kids, so our guys in security that are caring for us, that uh, they can keep an eye out also as the kids play afterwards. And so if you will raise your hand, I think we still have some guys around to make those available if you would like uh, to cooperate on that. We're going to be opening your Bibles, Romans, the first chapter. We'll look at a verse there in just a moment. It's about seven or eight years ago. It's Slidell, Louisiana. And as the New Orleans Times presented the story, it was very interesting. A woman was walking out of the mall having a good day with her daughter in the mall when the daughter asked a simple question, can I drive home? The mother decided to make a very good adult decision. She said no. You don't even have a driver's license. You're not old enough to have a driver's license. You absolutely can't drive home. Then she made a very foolish, immature decision. She said, but I tell you what I will do. I'll let you drive around the parking lot of the mall. So she tossed the keys to the 12-year-old. The 12-year-old did a pretty good job backing the car out of the parking space, but when she went in to drive, she began to drive straight for the busiest street in town. The mother, of course, very nervous, began to yell, no, 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 do not go towards the street. Well, the young, inexperienced driver went to hit the brakes, but confused and very scared, slammed on the accelerator. The car sped over a curb and into the busiest street in town, hitting several cars along the way. Now, if you're an insurance agent, you're probably sitting here hearing this story thinking about the liability. I'm glad that they're not my insurer. If you're a first responder, you're probably thinking about, I've been to accidents like that. I wonder what the injuries were. But if you're a parent, what are you thinking? It's real simple. The wrong person was driving the car. There's a lot of households where the wrong person is driving the car. I want to encourage you to realize that God has given children parents because children need parents. And children need parents, as we studied in the first two of this series. One, there is an ultimate goal. And the goal of that parent is to help that child have a foundation built in their life that builds a real, strong relationship with God. So that even when they leave home, they have developed a strong faith that will lead them toward God and eventually into an eternity with God. But then there is that very unique relationship in parenting. 
And that is, I, don't know, I do not know of any other relationship where God says, I'm going to put you in this relationship, and it's to be this way for about 20 years. And that's it. And so we're given children, and we literally, according to the first time that parenting is ever mentioned in the Bible, Genesis, the second chapter, and verse 24, it's mentioned saying that children are to leave mother and father. So we literally are to raise our children from the time as an infant, they're placed in our arms, going down a timeline to around 18, 19, 20, 21, 22 years old, they're supposed to be ready to leave. Here they come very immature and 100% of the responsibility is upon us and very little responsibility is upon themselves and it's a handoff to where our 100% eventually goes down to hardly any percent and their 0% climbs all the way up to almost 100% and there's this trade-off but somewhere down the line we have this age that's called adolescence and some people think that's a bad joke. Some parents just can't believe that there is such a thing that they have to deal with as adolescence. Some kids think that adolescence is a real tough thing. I think not too many months ago, talking to a woman, her husband's a minister, they truly have, have devoted their life to God and raising their children toward God. And yet when she spoke to me about adolescence, I kid you not, she kind of bristled. And she spoke and shook her head and she said, I hate adolescence. I don't understand why we as parents have to go through it. I don't understand why children have to go through it. I want to ask you something real important. Who designed adolescence? It's real important that we as parents and that even our children understand that if this is something God has designed, and in our mind it's only a negative thing, that perhaps it might be a misunderstanding on our part that actually it may not be a negative thing at all. It could be that we're viewing it all wrong. If you would, I'd like for you to look with me to Romans the first chapter. In Romans the first chapter, we have the, the revelation that God is the God of creation. And He's speaking of a physical creation at this time. And I'm going to begin reading in verse 20. And He says, For since the creation of the world, His invisible, this is God's invisible attributes, are clearly seen. Let that sink in. Things that are invisible, he says when you look at creation, you can clearly see these invisible attributes of God. How? Being understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power and Godhead, so that we are without excuse. You want to know there's a God? You want to know His eternal power? Look at creation. He brought this world, which is matter, out of nothing. That means He has to exist out and beyond matter. He brought time into being. He created in the beginning. That means He dwells outside of time. All of this that you and I are and that we experience, one had to be greater in order to create it. In other words, God is not physical. That's how we know that He is eternal, and that is how we know that He is God. He is not human. Now, I'd like for you to notice, in the Greek there's a word. And the way it's translated here is more than one word. In verse 20 when he says, by the things that are made. That's one word that is in the Bible only twice. The first time we use it here, we're going to especially develop it as we think about adolescence. And then even as we see it the second time, we're also going to see adolescence, but we're going to close this by making an application to everybody here. So, number one, who made us? 
if you've been going to Bible class since you were in the nursery class, you know that that's one of the questions that teachers often ask. Even the little toddlers, who made us? And even the little ones can say, God did. Did God make a mistake in the way that He made us? Absolutely not. So what is adolescence? Well, in third world countries, adolescence is something that young people at the age of 9 or 10 years of age, they enter into. And usually by the time of 18, 19 years of age, they exit from it. Here in America, adolescence is something that until recent years, we pretty firmly said that it was entered into somewhere around the ages of 12 and 13, and that it was usually exited from somewhere around the ages of anywhere from 20 to 21 to 22 years of age. But just in the last few years, we've had to begin to alter that idea of when adolescence ends. As a matter of fact, instead of now adolescence being this short period of time, there are many that professionals that are now arguing and saying it's no longer a short period of time, but that it has become an extended season of life. That's a problem. But that is how it is being described today. So I'd like for you to think very simply with me, what is adolescence? If I brought up to you right now a 10-year-old boy or girl, and, and they stood on the stage right here on this timeline at 10 to 11 to 12 years of age, and then we brought up a, a young man or a young woman that was 22, 23 years of age. They've graduated from college, they're working full time, and they're married. And we stood them right here. And we say, what is the difference in this person and this person? You know what the difference is? Adolescence. That is the difference in those two people. And so we say, so what's the purpose of adolescence? When a child enters adolescence, they are still a child. When they leave adolescence, they leave adolescence to be an adult, to carry the responsibilities of adulthood. Now, where do parents come into this? As parents, we need to understand that what our children need at this time is a lot of support. They need a lot of guidance. They still need training. But we also must remember that second lesson in this series that during this time there is a handing off of responsibility, but it does not mean we stop being parents. We make a horrible mistake when we look at a 15 or 16 year old that is quote, a pretty good kid and think that as a parent what we do now is bow out completely. And we never tell them no and we never reel things back in and we never give concise instruction anymore. Obviously, we do not want to treat and speak to a 16-year-old the way we would a 6-year-old, but a 16-year-old still needs parents. God did not create adolescents for youth to lose their way or for parents to lose their way either. And so we've got a great responsibility. What happens during these years? There's a lot of physical changes during these years. Most of us we could hold up a picture of what we looked like five years ago, and I'm talking to us adults right now. We could hold up a picture of what we looked like five years ago, and for most of us, we would still look pretty similar to what we look like today. But you know, you go to an adolescent that is 17 years old, and you hold up a picture for them five years ago when they were 12, and there's quite a difference. That's part of the struggle. Many of our adolescents are getting up every day and they're not the same person they were just a few weeks ago. 
physically things are changing. Their body is literally becoming someone new. They're having the changes not only externally of a growing and developing body, but even internally of a change of hormones being produced. Somewhere along the way, that young man entering into adolescence is confused with the reality of, I've been going to school with this girl since we were in preschool, and I never thought she was pretty. Why does she seem pretty now? It's hard to make sense of all of that. I think about, you don't have to tell him I said this, okay? I think about Brandon Ogden. And you know, when Brandon was entering into, uh, into adolescence, of course, if any of you know Brandon, you know, he's just gotten out of the Marines, working Marine One, and, and just a tremendous young man inside and outside, and he's chiseled inside and outside, and, you know, most guys here would like to have guns like he has. But, you know, when, when he was about 13 years old, he started lifting some weights, and he was just that kind of build that it didn't take him long to bulk up. Kathleen's mother said they were walking through Opry Mills Mall and she was just talking away and she looked over at him and he wasn't there. She looked back to see where he was and there was a, there was a storefront that had a, a mirror in the front of it. And he was standing in front of the mirror. And he's, he's looking at himself. Now, I find humor in that too. But you know what? Everybody that laughed, if you changed as much in about three months as he changed in three months, you'd stop and look at yourself too. You'd be like, wow. Look at this. I didn't look this way three months ago. You look the same you looked five years ago. He didn't look the same three months ago. Listen, it's adolescence. There's so many changes. How do you live when you're a different person than you were three months ago? When you're thinking about things you've never thought about and you don't know exactly what to do with those thoughts. You know what you need? You need supportive parents to keep the dialogue open. Parents that instead of saying, God has given us a horrible curse, He's given us the curse of adolescence, instead saying, God's done something beautiful. He has given us an opportunity to guide this child into adulthood. It's all about getting them ready to stand on their own feet, faithful to God, devoted to God, ready to be mature in the world. We think about socially. There's a lot of changes that take place in their life socially. But let me just quickly mention, there's a lot of changes that take place in their life with their religion and with their thoughts about faith. I want to challenge you, if you're a Bible class teacher, please listen carefully to this. I want to challenge all parents and grandparents, please listen carefully to this. God has designed it. We didn't do this. God designed it so that children start to pull away from their parents during adolescence. That's a good thing, isn't it? Because it'd be a bad thing if at, at, at 18 or 19 years of age, you're trying to leave your child at college or at their first job, and they're hanging onto your foot like they did in preschool when you were trying to leave them with a babysitter, right? You, you want those years where... There is more of a handoff, and so God naturally creates it that during those pre, during the pre, uh, the, the adolescent years, that they are beginning to question what mom and dad has always said. You ask an eight-year-old, "What about God?" and they'll oftentimes say, "We believe in God." What about stealing? We believe it's wrong to steal. Who's the we? It's them and their parents. They share a faith with their parents. What about a 17-year-old? And you say, hey, what about God? And their answer is, we believe there's a God. What about moral things? What about integrity? Oh, we believe it's wrong still. What a shame. Your parents only have one more year to try to get you to grow your own faith because right now you're going to fall. 
You're still riding on the coattail of your parents or your church's faith. You still haven't developed your own. Somewhere in these adolescent years, we have to give them permission to ask the questions. Let me tell you a great question to ask in Bible class when you're about ninth grade. A great question to ask is, excuse me, I've been coming here for a long time. I've, I've got a question though. Okay, what's your question? Is there really a God? I know that's what we believe here, but I need to know for me. Is there really a God? Is there really one church? Is there really a Jesus that walked this earth and died? I need to know these things. Not because I've grown up in a family that believes it. I need to know it. That's a beautiful question. Glad you asked that. Maybe we need to take a few weeks off of our curriculum and maybe if anybody else has questions, maybe we need to address any doubts you have because let me tell you something, our God is big enough that we can bring any question we have to Him and He can handle it. The biggest mistake we make is when we don't ask those questions of doubt or when we have those questions of doubt and we go somewhere other than to God to ask those questions to seek an answer. How wonderful it is when parents welcome their adolescence to develop their own faith. Listen, when your child is ready to leave for that full-time job or for the military service or for to be a freshman in college, if you have not allowed them to develop their own faith, there is nothing they can do but fall. Because you're not going to be with them. If they do not have their own, can they make it back? Sure, they can climb back. Anybody can come back. But without their own faith, they can't make it. What's adolescence? Is it a bad joke? No, it's something beautiful. And it's something challenging. It's tough to go from being a child to being a mature, young adult. As a matter of fact, it's so tough that God said, Children, I'm going to give you some help with it. I'm going to give you a family that will love you, support you, and guide you through that time. As we start bringing this to a close, I'd like for you to look at the second time that this is used. Let's go over to Ephesians. We saw the first time that we can know physically that God is the God that is the eternal God. He is the Godhead because we can look at all that He's made physically and what He has made speaks volume. That same word of what is made is in verse 10. I'd like for you to look with me if you have your Bibles open. The first three verses, we have what we were without Jesus. Without Jesus, we are dead in the trespasses and sin, verse 1. We're walking in the course of this world, verse 2. At the end of verse 2, we are sons of disobedience. But in verse 4, there is a sharp contrast. But God. That's going to change everything. Here we were lost in sin. But God. Here we were walking in the world. But God. Here we were sons of disobedience. But God. What is God going to do? You have to love the description in verse 4. It's God who is rich in mercy. He's not poor. Rich in mercy. Because, this is why, of His great love. Not little love. Not kind of loves us. Not sort of loves us. His great love for us. And then at the end of verse 5, we are alive together with Christ because... By grace you have been saved. We were in the trespasses of sin, but we've been saved. Because of His great love, that rich mercy is extended. 
we can't boast. It's not working in of ourselves. It's only by God's grace. But look at verse 10 and let's say our word that's used only the second time in all the New Testament. For we are His workmanship. There it is. That which is made a product of. We are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Romans 1 said, you're a product of God physically. God made you. He didn't make a mistake the way He made it for your children to grow up. God made you. He did it right. But here the problem is sin separates us from God. And so He says, I want to make you again. Through my Son, Jesus Christ, I want you to be my workmanship spiritually. So who are you? And here's how all this ties together. We're not going to dwell on it, so listen quickly here. When our child walks out of the door, when they walk out of adolescence into young adulthood, what do we want them to have become? We want them to have found their identity. Hey son, hey daughter, who are you? I'm the spiritual workmanship of Jesus Christ. I know who I am. If I would have said, hey, everybody today, wear your team jersey that you love, we would have looked across this crowd and we would have seen Titans or we would have seen Kentucky or Georgia or Tennessee or Alabama. We would have seen all kinds. Or if we said, hey, where do you work? Wear, wear a uniform from work. We would have seen those in the medical profession. We would have seen white collar. We would have seen blue collar. We would have seen everything in between. Who are you? Who are you, really? Someone says, oh, I, I tell you who I am. I, I'm a supervisor at work. I tell you who I am. I'm a husband and a father. Oh, I tell you who I am. I'm, I'm a receiver on the football team. I'm a forward in soccer. When our children enter into young adulthood, will they be able to say, I'm a child of God. My identity is found in Christ. And if in Christ I happen to become a father, I'm a Christian father. If I play a sport, I'm a Christian athlete. If I work at a white-collar or blue-collar job, I'm a Christian worker. If I own the company, or if I'm CFO, I'm a Christian CFO or owner of the company. Listen, the point that I'm trying to make is that spiritually speaking, there may be a lot of people here that are still in adolescence. Because the adolescent years is when you try to figure out, who am I going to become into adulthood? And there very well could be adults here that on the spiritual journey, you're still trying to figure out who you are. I've given some thought to God, but I, I just don't know. Keep asking God the questions of doubt you have. He welcomes them. He wants to answer any question you have. Don't stop seeking the answer until you can say, I am the workmanship of Jesus Christ, created by Him for good works. If as parents we can help our children get there, we've succeeded. Period. Great success. But individually, we must get there ourselves. Listen, I know there's people here that have read these Scriptures for decades, and there's probably others here that have never read these Scriptures. In just a moment, we're going to sing a song of 
invitation and encouragement. If there's anything we can do to help you tonight, right now, we'd love to do that. But it may be that all tonight did, that this afternoon did, was just raise more of those questions. Listen, we'd love to just sit down and study with you. Not to tell you what to believe, but just to help you grow in your faith so you can see who God is and what His plan is for you in your life. And so for our adolescents, we love you guys and we appreciate you and we want you to keep growing toward God. And for the parents of adolescents, we want you to keep guiding them. Make sure that they develop their own faith. As a congregation, let's always be people that help people grow toward God. It's good to be together this afternoon. Tonight, this afternoon, if you're here, we can help you anyway.